And then, you know, it is also about embracing that fear and that intimidation factor that you might have before you go into a big picture, a big meeting or an interview. And then also like letting that go and then putting it away and, and moving the hell on. And, and I think embracing those fears is a big piece of, of being able to walk in the room and let go of that anxiety that I think just really clouds our ability to nail it. And that's, um, that's when we start speaking with a confidence that is, I think, a little bit more, um, it's a softer confidence. It's a, it's a wisdom versus like having to be aggressive. All right, welcome to The Path Distilled. I'm your host, Kevin Harris. My co-host is Lauren Tashman. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. And we're so excited. We have uh, Tracy Tudor today. She's the author of Fear is a four Just a Four-Letter Word um, and the star of Bravo's Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles. Welcome to the show today. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Lauren. So could you tell us a little bit, uh, we mentioned the book and the show. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what you're doing and kind of set us up to hear your backstory? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm currently and have been appearing on a show on Bravo called Million Dollar Listing Los Angeles. Um, the show's been on for 12 seasons. It's one of the um, longest running shows on Bravo, and I am the first female uh, cast member on the show uh, that started, this is my third year with them, and I... Uh, when I started the show a couple of years ago, I remember sitting down and I said, you know, I have this opportunity to speak to a lot of women in my business because we are 60% or more actually of the workforce in real estate. And, you know, I have a platform and, you know, with that platform, I decided to write a book called fear is just a four letter word, which launched about five weeks ago and is on the wall street journal bestseller list. And, you know, has been this little pandemic launch of a book that has, you know, like had this little cult following, um, you know, across the country of, of women and even men that are just resonating with the word fear, obviously, right now in particular. So um, I'm grateful. And um, it's been an, a really interesting journey um, launching this book, you know, during this time. Sure. sure. And I, I love the content of your book. One of the things that we focus on with the podcast is overcoming personal fear and getting the wherewithal to take risks and uh, make something out of in some cases, nothing in other cases, just uh, take those chances. So how did you first get involved? It, their backgrounds in real estate, correct? That is correct. I've been selling real estate in Los Angeles for 20 plus years. And, um, you know, I, I, initially was I graduated from USC theater school oh, with wow. a degree you know with a BA in theater and you know my intent was to become an actor and I really actually wanted to study in New York City but ended up at USC and um, it made sense for me to stay in Los Angeles based on the direction I was going with my career and a few years into it I had a sort of an epiphany that I didn't want to leave my success in the hands of someone else. And I didn't like, it didn't really resonate with me. I think, you know, the idea that I could not be 
you know, the right fit for like a character, you know, I, I was either not pretty enough or I wasn't funny enough or it was, and it just, I didn't like the fact that I couldn't control my own destiny. And I think that's what ultimately got me into real estate. I realized that like I could control and run my own business and be an entrepreneur of sorts. And that was in my control. And so I, I switched gears when I was about, Oh, I don't know, 24 years old. And, um, decided to take my real estate test and, you know, go down the path of, of that career, you know, no idea that I was going to land there. And it was never really, I mean, I had a background uh, with a family that uh, my father was a big contractor, but really more in like, you know, bridges and tunnels and infrastructure, you know, both in the States and domestically and internationally, but that was never my MO. I think I worked for him for like an you know, an hour. <laughs> and it was like, this is not for me. But, you know, full, full circle, 17 years later, I, you know, am, am now on TV um, doing what I love. So that's, that's a pretty cool thing. And so were those early days, did you have the usual real estate experience where you're scrounging up listings and you're out there scrapping and fighting or how did that go for you? I mean, listen, real estate is sales. We all work on commission. So it's like a shark tank out there. But, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I think like anyone else, I struggled with, you know, how to, you know, I came into this business in, God, 2004 or five. So, you know, I came in when the market was at its like peak, peak, peak. I mean, you put something on the market and there'd be 17 offers. I couldn't move that fast. I couldn't navigate that fast. I wasn't savvy or sophisticated in that way. I had the contacts and I had the connections because I grew up in LA. So I knew a lot of people, mm -hmm. but who the heck trusts a 24 year old with like the biggest <laughs> asset they have. So um, I learned very quickly that my little ego um, needed to be brought down a notch and I needed to have some grit, put the work in and, and hustle just like anybody else. And I did. And so what in the beginning there, you kind of were just getting into this. What did you find that you thought, oh, this is kind of easy or I really enjoy this part versus what was really challenging or that you didn't like about it? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, where I shine is definitely in a room and, and networking is a skill of mine that I'm, I'm very good at. Um, I didn't have the history or the education in real estate. I was a theater major, but what I did do really well was sell myself. So that wow. part was, was never a problem. I did a lot of fake it till you make it <laughs> uh, because I, I really didn't have the skill or the history or the education in real estate to know what the heck I was doing. So I had to put in a lot of hours and I was constantly like looking at the MLS, which is, which is our, you know, how we look at property in Los Angeles and um, just trying to learn the inventory as much as I could and just ingrain that the entire business into my every single day. So the more that I knew, but it was a struggle. Uh, I, I didn't have like any real success until probably year three, which is hilarious because I think in any corporate environment, as you're climbing the ladder, you can't usually say, hey, year three. I was like killing it, but relative to what I thought I could do in the business, I was like, oh my God, did I just make like 
six figures. Like I'm in my twenties. This is, I am so sticking with this, you know? <laughs> um, but that was when I had my first taste of, of, of success and that there was no real cap to what I could do with it. And I think that's what I love about, you know, being an entrepreneur is you have the ability to really kind of tap into, you know, your skill set as a business owner and, and grow it and scale it and figure out how you're going to be, you know, around in 20 years mm-hmm. <laughs> and still be making money at it. So I'm curious, were you already honing those, uh, I don't know if you would call them principles, but the be prepared, those, uh, the things that you talk about. God, no, I was 20. (laughs) I, I only know this now. I, that's why I wanted to share it with, you know, younger people and the younger audience coming into business and, you know, graduating from college and not really, you know, having, you know, that, experience under their belt, but maybe they have like a false sense of confidence. So I I wanted to share a little bit of my story and my failures along the way, because it took me 20 years to, to figure it all out. And, you know, if I can kind of impart any kind of wisdom through my different, you know, stories in the book that I talk about all the failures that I've had and what I learned from them, you know, that will help other women in my business, not even just in real estate, but I think as young female entrepreneurs, being able to navigate a room full of powerful, dynamic male egos and um, strong personalities. So I'm curious about that. What was kind of your first exposure to that working in real estate? Oh my God. I mean, I feel like I grew up with that, but um <laughs> Uh, you know, I think just in our business, like I said, it's a shark tank. Um, you know, you're competing. We don't make a salary. So like every day you wake up, it's like, who's going to get on the phone first? Who's going to be hustling that client? Who's working on marketing themselves to uh, a new client or community that they want to break into? Like you have to be like militant. And that was something I struggled with because I came from a creative background and I didn't have that kind of infrastructure. I knew that I was a hustler and I knew that I could sell, but all the systems that I needed to put in place didn't come until much, much later. Um, But yeah, I mean, I woke up every day and it was a grind and it was trying to align yourself with the right people working for someone. I think in year two, I decided, yeah, this whole doing it on your own thing is not really my cup of tea. I really need to align myself with a team where I admire and respect somebody um, and that has is doing what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that was the quickest way to the top in terms of you know, you elevate your game when the people that you're operating with operate at this level. Sure. And were the punches that people were throwing at you at the time, uh, the sexism for lack of a better characterization, was that impacting you to a greater degree at that time or did it? um, I think it's gotten worse, to be honest with you. I think I struggled with more ageism (laughs) than anything when I was in my (laughs) 20s, right? Because the fact that I was a female and a, a pretty sassy one at that, um, you know, I, I never had a problem speaking up. Mm-hmm. It was just what, what, what did I have to support my big mouth essentially? <laughs> and, and, you know, once I got out of my twenties and into my thirties and I had 10 years in real estate under my belt and I did have some success, that's when I started to experience like, why is this guy who's been sort of, 
at it for six years, having more success than me. I'm smarter than him. I've done more deals than him. I have more experience than him. So what is it? Am I offending someone? Like, why am I not getting these same opportunities? And why am I not going out and elevating my, call it, you know, my sale price, my overall um, book of business? Because the guys that were competing at, at the level that I was at had less experience than I did. And that's when I started experiencing, I think, you know, what it's like to be a, a female in this business and particularly a female that is, uh, has something to say. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting because obviously being a female in a, I'm kind of in an entrepreneurial field in some senses too. It's interesting now that you say that to think about my own experience of this and how maybe when you're younger or newer, you're kind of maybe perceived as not a threat, right? But then as you advance in your career, it's like, well, wait a minute. Now, now you have to pay attention to her. And as the woman, you kind of expect like that, that respect that you feel like you've earned. Absolutely. And I think that's something that, you know, came with years of sort of of experience and failure and grit and, you know, learning my business intricately, expanding the team, scaling, failing, succeeding, like all of that story, you know, gave me the level of confidence that I have this morning, like sitting in front of you guys talking about it. And I just think that there's a lot of this younger generation that has such a great outlook on how to manifest success in their lives. But what I think, you know, is helpful to them is really, really tangible skills that can help get you there. Not this like idealistic mm -hmm. view of how business is because it's bullshit and it's not that way. And there is a wage gap and there is all of this stuff that we're still experiencing that sometimes gets overshined by other things that we're dealing with in, you know, government, politics, the economy, et cetera. And, you know, this has always been there. Um, it's just something that's being talked about more and more. And I, I really think that this is kind of an opportunity for myself and for the younger generation to kind of say, yeah, we're not going that route anymore. We're going to start speaking up earlier. We're going to start, you know, walking into the room, being confident in exactly where we are, whether we're 25, 35 or 55. You mentioned that real estate has quite a number of women in it, though I think that's less seen on like television programs like the one that you're on, right? Um, exactly. But I'm curious because some of the research on this idea of women and kind of being in, in power positions or in spaces where there's a lot of men, there's some interesting findings regarding when it's one woman uh, with kind of a, a room full of men versus one or two, you know, two women or a small group of women versus a group of men. So I'm curious what mm -hmm. your experiences have been when you've been the only woman in the room versus amongst a group of women. That's so interesting, Lauren. I'd love to hear like what statistics you have on that because I always say, you know, and I've read this, I read this a long time ago and it's a little bit of like a mantra between like my following on Instagram, but it's like, you're either at the table or you're on the menu. Mm -hmm. And, and when you're the only woman in the room, it's very, very easy to be on the menu. Um, and I think, you know, if you're too powerful or too empowered and too outspoken, then you're at the table, but you, you the, your, the perception of you by the men at the table could be 
um, that you are uh, overly confident or bitchy or um, too outspoken um, and all these different things that, that get attached to a woman that speaks up for herself. But, um, you know, on the flip side of that, and what I like to focus on and talk about is, you know, the things that you can do to offset how that happens to a woman when she walks into a room. And that's really like, we, that's the only thing we can shift. Mm -hmm. I can't shift the way men perceive like women in business unless I'm like making the change myself. So, you know, when I talk about, you know, walking into a room and making sure you do your diligence before you go into the room and know exactly who you're sitting down with and who you're meeting. Um, and then, you know, it is also about embracing that fear and that intimidation factor that you might have before you go into a big pitch or a big meeting or an interview. And then also like letting that go and then putting it away and, and moving the hell on. And, and I think embracing those fears is a big piece of, of being able to walk in the room and let go of that anxiety that I think just really clouds our ability to nail it. And that's, um, that's when we start speaking with a confidence that is I think, a little bit more, um, it's a softer confidence. It's a, it's a wisdom versus like having to be aggressive. And, you know, all of these like tools are based on who you're sitting across from and how you navigate what mood they're in. And then you, you decide to pivot based on that. I'm curious, you mentioned earlier that kind of the fake it till you make it model. Um, did you ever internalize that? Did you ever feel like you shouldn't be there or was it just something you you knew that you needed to take steps to appear that you knew what was happening but you didn't feel really bad about it no i i, I never believe I, I i say fake it until you make it and and that is like the fastest way for you when you are put in a situation that maybe you're not prepared for because maybe you don't have the experience to be prepared for you better embrace that and every single minute that you have because you're gonna learn something in that room. But that doesn't mean that you should just sit there quietly like an intern without an opinion. I think there's a time and a place to obviously be able to speak up and offer something that maybe they're not thinking about. And if you listen long enough and pay attention to the senior executives that you might be surrounded by, you might have something to offer, a little nugget, something that they're not thinking about. And, you know, you pick your moment and you go for it. Fascinating. Um, and I look reviewing some of your social media posts and uh, you talked about the three coffee days and uh, <laughs> that type of thing. So I guess the learning to navigate not only the situations, but also knowing your strengths and when you need a little uh, adjustment, I guess. Uh, be the case. Yeah, I mean, you gotta like, you gotta take care of you. Not every day is is full of success. I mean, I fail every day at something, and you know that's okay. It's just about how you recover from it is obviously such a big piece, right? Like you can either carry it with you into your next meeting, or something happened in your personal life that you just can't kick. The, the, the tools, and that's why I love the book so much, is because it's, it's really simple. Like, they're really simple tactics. And that's most of the feedback that I've gotten from a lot of women and men that have read it because they're like, it's not this like ethereal, like up there, 
sort of mm -hmm. mindset that you have to like get in and meditate to like even remotely understand, but it's like step one, do your diligence. Step two, when you're sitting out in front of that meeting and you start getting super anxious, go to the bathroom and scream for 30 minutes. I don't care. <laughs> like whatever it is, like do what you have to do to like get yourself, you know, to the next step. And um, I've just found like for me, that's been, you know, like even just going through the process of writing the book, it was extraordinarily helpful to, you know, read it back myself. And I had moments where I thought, I'm really not following my own advice. <laughs> today, today was like a really rough day. And like, I sucked at connecting today. And it's, it's just the reality of, of, you know, um, you know, waking up and just having a difficult one. I mean, there are weeks in this business that my partner, Gina and I are like, I, I don't know if I can get through the end of this. And, and then there's, you know, great, great moments where, you know, we really, you know, nailed it and our clients are super happy and that's why we continue doing it. That really resonates with me because um, you mentioned following your own advice. We've had guests who are very successful musicians, for example, and they had been rejected through every label that they encountered. Um, we've, you know, just all these stories of people just sticking with it until that moment came. Um, and I've had to tell myself, we're only in the, um, we launched in May, the podcast in May, and so we're still in the early stages. And there have been times when I was like, if you don't stick through these harder times, these leaner times, getting it launched, you're going to be kind of hypocritical to, to give up before right. it actually has an opportunity. It's so funny. Like, you're, it's always, you know, it's just so easy to give advice. But then when you at like, I, I had this moment, there's an, another epiphany when I was reading my own book, doing the audio version of it for uh, Audible. Mm. And I, I literally came home that night and I was like, I just, I had like a, a bit of a, of a meltdown, but I honored it. And I went for this long walk by myself and I was like sitting on this bench and it was like 10 o'clock at night. And I remember I, my boyfriend was here and he, my friend had been visiting from New York and he was like, they were like, you're so off. And I'm like, I just need to get out and go for a walk for a minute and just sort out what's going on with me. And what I realized is, you know, we can intellectualize things all day long and write a book about it and talk about it on a podcast and whatever. But if we're not living it, like that's the biggest fraud of all. Mm -hmm. And I had this moment where I was like, I wrote this book and if I'm not following my own freaking advice that I actually believe in wholeheartedly, then I'm failing. And to me that, that was a big, that was a big piece of it. And I think that struggle and the stuff and all the failures that we go through and like surviving that is the best part of the journey because you get to the other side of it and you come out the other end and you're like, Oh, I made it. I am stronger. And, um, and, and like you wake up the next day and you're like, Oh, I'm still breathing. Like it's all okay. And we had an analysis episode where we kind of debrief and talk about some of the, we left the mic on, it's a new thing that we've been doing. And one of the things we talked about is that thin line, it could be between success and failure, long-term success and failure. And it could be as simple as not taking the call or it could be uh, leaving the meeting too soon. Uh, there was one guy who, they were, uh, there was a Sony agent at Mira, or no, a Miramax agent at the Viper Room when they played and had they not done that show, 
everything else would have changed. And so um, just showing up and sticking with it and going through the plan, I think is really important. Yeah, it is. And I think surviving um, and reminding yourself that you're going to get knocked down like 800 times and you're not going to get, I can't tell you how many listing opportunities I did not get. I didn't even get the opportunity to pitch. And, but the guys that I was competing against did. And I just kept going. And then all of a sudden, you know, it really started to happen for me. And I think in the last six months, every single pitch we've gone out on, we've gotten. Gina, is that true? She's like, don't jinx us. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but we've been like, I think like seven for seven or eight for eight. And which is unusual mm -hmm. um, because there are many times that it's been like two for eight. And, and it just makes that success that much sweeter. You know, it does. And it, and it also, I think, defines like grit in a person. Like when you get to the other side, you just have a much... You, you understand it and you know the hard times and it makes the success and the joys like that much better. Yeah, and it's so interesting, that, you know, just looking at your book and the way that you've tried to do it and what you just shared with us now is such a powerful way to approach it that you're not saying I'm perfect and here's what I did, but here's, here's all the times that I messed up and what I learned from it. And I'm also continuing to have to kind of keep reorienting myself. Yeah. And I, I think a big part of that is like embracing your imperfection. Um, you know, there's all these things about ourselves that, you know, we do, I, I failed at marriage. Okay. Like 18 years in I failed. So, and I wouldn't even call it failure because I feel like we were together for 18 years. We have two beautiful children, but a lot of people would. So there's all these things that kind of happen along the way in your life. And you could either be like militant about being perfect and be completely miserable, or you can embrace the things that have happened to you and figure out a way to be happy again. And I have. And so like the recovery from that kind of stuff, I think is also sort of really defining um, for you, like in your personal life and how you kind of deal with your business life. I think when you're when you've struggled, even in your personal life, I think it brings a lot of like humanity and vulnerability into your business life and people relate to you. And so Lauren asked a really good question. I want to ask a kind of a dumb question. Um, <laughs> so did you grow accustomed to, one of the things we had to really grow used to or grow accustomed to with this podcast is the way that we sound and you have an entire book that you've read. How did that go for you? <laughs> oh my God. And I'm like, why do they not, why do they not tell me that I sound like I'm like so <laughs> nasally and like awful, but when I just get into the mode and I'm in the zone, I think I just, I, I, I it's really tough. I can't even sometimes watch the show. Like, oh. <laughs> I mean, that's what I, they've talked to me about having a podcast and I was like, Oh my God, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes some, uh, Who's gonna write? growing used to. Uh, well, for the sake, I know you have, uh, for the sake of time, what do you view as the keys to your success? Uh, well, it's, I think for everybody, success is different and you have to really be clear on how you define success and how that changes. I think, um, you know, annually, you should take a look at what makes you happy and, and how you define success. Because I know a lot of people that define success purely by the number of deals that they're doing or the money that they're making. 
And as much as I also have, that is a part of it for me, um, like a fully successful life includes, you know, spending time with friends, um, like enjoying this moment. I am 45 years old. I have started a new chapter in my life and really living it because I don't want to wake up and be 65 and be like, what was I doing? Oh, that's right. I was just selling real estate and grinding and, and my kids were teenagers and now I don't even really remember it. So as much as I love to be busy and, and challenge myself and try new things and strive for different types of success, I think it's constantly evolving and, and um, I look at that all the time. And can you, you mentioned this a little while back, can you share with us a little bit how the opportunity came about to be on the, sh the TV show and what it's been like to be the, the, the woman representing women real estate agents? I was, uh, I, I was showing a property uh, in the Hollywood Hills that was Josh Altman's that was being featured on the show on season nine. Mm -hmm. I had a buyer for it and he was like, are you comfortable being on camera? And I said, it's like my old, you know, stomping ground <laughs> for sure. And uh, it was really last minute. Uh, and so I ended up uh, doing that scene where I showed the property on camera and my client ended up wanting to write an offer on that property. And then um, Josh and I had two or three scenes together after that in that episode where it was like a negotiating scene and, and we had really good chemistry on camera. Like, I think I made him uh, lighten up a little bit. And, you know, we had a very like brother sister dynamic and it was fun. And after the show aired, the sh uh, one of the producers called me and said, you know, we really loved the dynamic between you and Josh Altman on, on the show. Would you potentially be interested in discussing, um, you know, coming on next season and, and being our first female cast member? So that's how that began. And the rest is history. You've mentioned that you thought it was unfair sometimes that you're that being told that you're too bossy or pushy in, in that environment based on <laughs> others. I embrace my bossiness. I don't know. <laughs> like I'm again, like, you know, call me what you want. I am, if that's what it is. And if that's how people are still defining it, then so be it. I'm like, you know, remember years and years ago and everybody had a problem with the word bitch. And then someone mm -hmm. finally was like, you know what? I embrace the bitch. Um, I feel the same way about it. And I make no apologies to anyone for what I do and who I am, because I'm just being authentic to myself. And if it doesn't resonate with you, then great. Don't, don't follow me and, and you won't have to see it, but you know, I'd rather be and live my truth and be authentic and uh, good, bad, and ugly um, because that makes me human. And, and I can put my head on the pillow at night and go to bed and not be like, what did I say today? That was like, that I like crafted versus I just lived in my body and spoke my truth and I don't have to worry about what that's going to look like tomorrow. Mm -hmm. so through, throughout this career that you've had and the opportunities you've had uh, to the exposure and writing a book, what are the things that you've learned about yourself throughout your journey? I am much more emotionally driven than I think I am from time to time. <laughs> um, I'm sensitive, I'm vulnerable. And um, like when people 
I, I when I have interactions with people, I am am because I'm connected like that. I take um, sometimes an emotional beating, right? Like I think when you when you live that way and you're emotionally connected, a lot of things affect you a lot easier and more. And sometimes I have to compartmentalize and put that out so that I can focus on my day. But it's very difficult for me. I'm a Leo. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm very much an extrovert and that includes a lot of my feelings. And sometimes I don't navigate that as well as I should. So um, it can be emotionally draining and tiresome. <laughs> I'm, I'm exhausting myself. <laughs> I used to have uh, the opposite problem. People would get upset because I was not emotional enough. So I'm the opposite <laughs> of the spectrum. I've tried to I become more expressive. Conversation. I have had that conversation with a lot of men, Kevin. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, what advice would you give an aspiring female entrepreneur or uh, someone going into real estate? I would say read my book. I was going to say, it's her entire book. Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely would. I think, you know, whether you're starting your own business or you're in sales um, or getting into real estate, it's just a really great tool for a young woman who is coming into business. And, um, you know, I think it depends on what business you're in specifically. But for my business, I, I always say attach yourself to someone um, that you respect and admire in a, in a market that you want to be in. And whatever that means, if that means moving there, then move there. If that means figuring out a way to get in contact with them and maybe intern with them for free for three months until they find your value um, worth paying for, then do it. But don't try to establish yourself on your own without taking advice and um, tips from other people that have been down that road. I think it can be incredibly valuable and save you a lot of time. And you mentioned kind of the, the timing of the launch of your book. And certainly there's been conversations about the real estate market during this crazy year that we're having. So what, what were your experiences trying to launch during that time and trying to kind of work throughout this pandemic? Well, I think it's all about, in life, it's always about having the ability to pivot you know, we're all very accustomed to like waking up every day and having our routines and putting our, you know, the one foot in front of the other and just doing what we need to do to get through it. Right. Um, there's a lot of people that are very comfortable in that environment. The people that can stretch themselves outside of that environment are always the people that are going to be more successful. And in my opinion, um, admirable because it's, it requires taking risk. It requires, um, having the ability to like look through all of like, for example, with the pandemic this year, I would have been on a two week book tour going to different regions and having the ability to sell hundreds of books at a time and doing signings and TV appearances and all that stuff. None of that I could do. So I could either sit there and say, well, you know, okay, well, I guess we're launching in a pandemic. I mean, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. I guess we'll just see what happens. Or I could take it and say, okay, we need to shift. If I can't go on a book tour, what are we going to do? And so I hired a digital marketing team to help me roll out the book in a way that I felt I could connect with an audience um, digitally. And as you can tell, it's not that easy doing these Zoom conferences and making human connections mm -hmm. like that. It requires like, 
complete focus um, and, and making sure that you're engaging enough with the people that you're sitting across from that, that they want to know more, right? Um, so that was a real challenge for me. And then, um, you know, obviously the real estate market has been all over the place. Um, so being able to also pivot in, in that world and figure out how we're going to market our properties because we're working three times harder than we ever had. We don't have the ability to have open houses anymore. So I can't get a hundred people into a property. I have to show all hundred of them separately. So um, I'm working harder than ever. Um, I can't say that this year has been, hasn't been a struggle, but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I've been able to navigate it and, and, and get through it. And let's, let's hope to God 2021 has a, little more promising outcome outlook let's hope so <laughs> um, so Tracy what do you think is the biggest takeaway from your story for me I think it's the struggle of trying to figure out how to be your authentic self and still be successful in business you know we we oftentimes feel like we have to put on like the shield and dress a certain way or present ourselves in a, in a certain way. And we lose the ability to be ourselves. And the one thing that connects us the most to another person is that authentic piece. So I think the biggest lesson for me is, is embracing who I am. And I think being on the show was such a huge sort of moment of, in terms of watching yourself and going, ah, like, mm -hmm. this is crazy, but I'm okay with all of it because it is who I am. And I think that, you know, whether you're, again, a 23-year-old girl coming out of university and with not a direction in life, or you're a 50-year-old woman that's been married for, you know, 30 years and decides to start a new chapter, I think that there's um, you know, a little study you got to do on yourself and figure out who you really truly are authentically and whether or not you're really presenting that to the universe, because that to me is, I think, the most important thing like in being happy inside. It's like so great. corny. That was so corny. Like <laughs> no, so, it's great. It's, being, happy, being happy inside. No, but I really mean it. it. I think, you know, waking up and being happy every day we take for granted and, you know, I think that authentic part uh, of who you are um, is the easiest place to find, like, true inner comfort in yourself. And so that's my, and I think my big takeaway. Great. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. It gave me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you sharing your story, sharing your book, and uh, being on our show today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys having me on. Path Stilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman, created and produced by Kevin Harris. The content is copyrighted by the Path Distilled, all rights reserved.